bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, November 7th. 2017. I'm going to dispense this week with my usual This Week in History feature, as I want to jump right into the urgent topic of the moment, tax reform, and the devastating effect the House tax reform plan would have on affordable housing, community development, and historic preservation. Many in these communities, myself included, were bracing for something damaging coming out of the House. But we were shocked by the release of the proposed tax reform plan. The plan would be, in one word, devastating. Now, it's true that everyone does expect some changes to the House bill, but most of us aren't that optimistic that the coming changes will be positive in ways we care about. We're hopeful, but not expecting something positive. Now, if we're right, then all eyes will quickly be directed to the Senate and the Senate Finance Committee as we do expect their bill to be very different from the House bill. But more on that later. Let's start with an overview of the House bill and the damaging effects on affordable housing, community development, and historic preservation. From there, I'll discuss the current plan for getting tax reform through the legislative process. Now, I want to note, I am recording this podcast late on Monday night, and the situation is fluid. A revised chairman's mark was released and passed today, but the changes didn't appear to have a direct effect in areas we're focused on. As the process unfolds, if you want immediate updates or more immediate updates, follow me on Twitter at at Novogratik. Also, visit our Tax Reform Resource Center. It's on the web, and it's at, you guessed it, www.taxreformresourcecenter.com. An overview of the House bill can best be summarized as follows. Big picture, the bill on a static scoring basis costs about $1.5 trillion. The initial score was $1.51, and then it was a revised score when they made some CPI changes to $1.413. The score of some of the subsequent changes hasn't been released yet, so I'm not sure where it is at this moment. Now, let's go through the general business provisions. They're as follows. The top corporate rate would fall to 20%, and that lower 20% rate would be effective as of January 1, 2018. Now, originally, the House was considering a phased-in lower rate. But by making the rate effective immediately, the cost of the bill did go up dramatically, and that led to many existing provisions being left on the cutting room floor. Now, the pass-through rate would be 25%. That's the pass-through business income rate of 25%. And there would be a safe harbor. Under the safe harbor, 30% of pass-through income would be taxed at a 25% pass-through rate. The remaining 70% would be taxed at ordinary income individual rates. Basically, take the position that 30% is business income, income from capital. The other 70% is labor income, income from working. I should note, professional service firms 
lawyers, accountants, and others are not eligible for the 70-30 safe harbor, such that their income would likely be taxed, for the most part, at the higher individual rates. As an interesting aside, the Ways and Means Committee did release a supplementary charge and response document that addressed potential criticisms to the bill. And the document describes how the bill distinguishes between the individual wage income of the MBA Stephen Curry and the pastor business income of Steve's bike shop. In response, Steph Curry humorously tweeted, quote, I wonder if Steve's bike shop is hiring, close quote. So Steph Curry does have the distinction of being the first unanimous MVP and the only person named in the Ways and Means document. I should also note he's the only NBA player to be mentioned in a Novogratic Tax Credit Tuesday podcast. I don't think he'll be tweeting about that. But getting back to the tax bill, the legislation does allow immediate expensing of assets. That's if there's new investments made after September 27, 2017. So it is in some ways retroactive to 2017. The expensing would be allowed for at least five years, and expensing would not apply to buildings. Of a more global note, I should note, real estate activities would not be qualifying activities for purposes of immediate expensing. The tax bill also provides that there's a limitation on the deduction of interest expense for corporations. They're limited to 70% of net interest expense. Once again, I should note, real estate is not subject to this interest expense limitation. In short, there's a general parity in that real estate is not subject to interest expense limitations and is also not eligible for asset expensing. Turning to individuals, they would have rates, four rates or five rates if you count 0% as a rate, of 12%, 25%, 35%, and 39.6%. The standard deduction is doubled. The individual AMT is repealed, as it is for corporations. Now, I should note that if AMT is repealed for individuals, the individual investors might consider investing in new markets tax credits. If you uh, have more interest in that topic, send an email to cpas at novaco.com. Now, staying with individuals, municipal bond income, that tax exemption is retained. However, private activity bonds are repealed. More on that later. State and local property tax deductions retained, but it's capped at $10,000. That's the property tax deduction. Now, state and local income tax deductions would be repealed. Now, this could lead more individuals to consider investing in state income tax programs, stating of tax tax credit programs, that is. Though I do note that state and income taxes on pastor business income may still be deductible. The theory is that if it's coming through as business income, as pass-through income, then to be on par with corporations, you should get to deduct state income taxes since corporations can deduct state income taxes. But the optics here are pretty bad because what it means is corporations and pass-throughs can avoid the double tax on the same income. Basically, they can deduct state income taxes, but individuals cannot deduct, would not be able to deduct state income taxes. Now, turning to the mortgage interest deduction, it would be retained but mortgages would be capped at $500,000 instead of $1.1 million. And charitable giving deduction would also be preserved. However, there's been a lot of criticism that the preservation of charitable giving and mortgage interest might be harmed by the fact that there's an increased standard deduction and other deductions are repealed, such as it's harder to get over the increased standard deduction. 
most other itemized deductions are repealed. I also want to note that the estate tax exemption would be increased and then repealed after the year 2024. Now, I note the estate tax exemption and the repeal after 2024 because the Senate isn't expected to repeal the estate tax. And if they don't, then that'll free up tax revenue for maybe some other provisions to come back into the code or provisions already into the code to be expanded. So there you have some of the general corporate, business, and individual tax provisions. Now, turning to affordable housing, we find that volume cap 9 and 4% low-income housing tax credits are retained as provided in the tax reform framework. However, there's been no adjustment to preserve the value of the low-income housing tax credits in a lower corporate rate environment. This means we'll be suffering roughly a 15% loss in value should this bill become law. But much more devastating is the fact that tax-exempt private activity bonds, including multifamily rental housing bonds, are repealed, effective the end of 2017 in the bill. This means that 4% log housing tax credits, those generated by multifamily bond financing, would be repealed. The tax reform framework said that the long-term housing tax credit would be preserved, but this doesn't preserve it. This leads to a reduction of more than 60% of the units that are projected to be produced over the next 10 years. At Novogratic, we've estimated that over the next 10 years, nearly 1 million, that's right, nearly 1 million affordable rental housing units would be lost. We have a blog post on the topic. Just go to Notes from Novogratic at our webpage. Now, turning to community development, it's not any better. We were working for a new market tax credit permanency, but we expected at a minimum that we'd keep the remaining PATH Act rounds. But shockingly, the House bill would repeal the last two years of the PATH Act, the 2018 and 2019 expected rounds. It does appear, though, that the current 2017 round would be preserved. And on the historic tax credit front, our fears were realized. The legislation would repeal historic tax credits and non-historic rehabilitation tax credits after 2017. Now, there is a transition rule that allows you to incur qualifying expenditures of up to 30 or so months after the end of 2017 and still claim the historic tax credit. But after that, historic tax credits would be gone. Regarding renewable energy, renewable energy tax credits fared so-so, depending upon which of the renewables that you're focused on. Legislation generally retains current law investment tax credit and production tax credit phase downs of the 30% ITC and PTC. Now, the permanent 10% credit, though, for solar projects would expire on December 31st, 2027. And the production tax credit would revert to its pre-inflation baseline number of 1.5 cents per kilowatt hour of electricity that for electricity sold for projects that start construction after the bill is enacted. Previously, 2.4 cents per kilowatt hour was what was available. This would be a 37.5% decrease in the credit. Now, what did come as a surprise to many, orphaned renewable energy tax credit technologies are extended at the investment tax credit phase-down schedule. This would include fuel cells, combined heat and power, 
and others. Also of general note, inflation factors in the tax code would be changed to be tied to chained CPI. That does lead to lower future increases in the long term tax credit, the per capita amount, also leads to additional revenue over the next 10 years and beyond based upon the fact that other provisions are tied to the CPI. Now, one of the unfortunate parts about this tax bill coming out now and discussion going on at the committee level, knowing there's still action to come with the full House and the Senate, is that as a taxpayer, you need to plan your activities. And if you work in the affordable housing, renewable energy, historic preservation, community development space, then you have to be focused on which of these rules are likely to be enacted and which aren't. And to a certain extent, you really have to look at the transition rules under the current bill and plan accordingly. So in short, transition rules are a big deal, obviously. But I don't have time in this podcast to go into details. I encourage you to contact your Novogratz professional to discuss how this bill and the transition rules, should they be enacted, could affect you. If you don't have a Novogratz professional that you work with, send an email to cpas at novaco.com and we'll get back to you. So to recap, the 9% long composing tax credit and 4% credit for acquisition, the per capita credits would be retained. All taxes and private activity bonds, including multifamily, would be repealed, which means the 4% long composing tax credit generated by multifamily bonds would also be repealed. The new markets tax credit and historic tax credit would be repealed after 2017. And the phase downs for the renewable energy investment and production tax credits would generally be retained. So where are we regarding Republicans' efforts to get this legislation passed? The House Ways and Means Committee began their markup of their bill yesterday, Monday, and their plan is to complete the markup this week by Thursday. They hope by Thursday to pass the bill out of committee. And then the full House would hopefully, under their plan, consider the bill next week, the week of November 13th. Meanwhile, the Senate Finance Committee is expected to consider its own version of a tax bill next week. And we're expecting a draft from Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch to be released this Thursday. That would be after the Ways and Means Committee finishes their work. Now, we don't have details about a Senate bill yet, but we do expect the Senate version to be more moderate in several areas. More specifically, we expect the Senate version to be more conducive to affordable housing, community development, and renewable energy. Remember that several members of the Senate Tax Writing Committee are staunch advocates of affordable housing, community development, and renewable energy. We also think the Senate could take a much more moderate stance on the historic tax credit and potentially keep it in the tax code. Now, Chairman Hatch and committee member Maria Cantwell did introduce legislation earlier this year to expand and enhance the loan housing tax credit. Now, going back to the issue of timing, if the Senate Finance Committee can pass a bill next week, then Senate Majority Whip John Cornyn expects the full Senate to consider the bill before Thanksgiving. Were that time frame to hold, and that's a big if, actually, the House and Senate Republicans would need to reconcile the differences between their bills in December with the goal of getting a final bill to the president by the end of the calendar year. It's also possible that the Senate could pass their bill and then the bill not go to any sort of conference committee. And then the House would need to face 
whether or not they wanted to pass the bill as is. Now, as I said earlier, the tax bill is a long way to go. And I want to emphasize that in the Senate, Republicans only have 52 votes, so they can only afford to lose two votes and then bring in Vice President Pence to be the tie-breaking vote and get to 51. So within those 52, a tax bill will have to be developed that 50 of them can support. There's a lot of reasons to think that's going to be a challenge. And to further complicate matters, President Donald Trump last Thursday told House Republicans he still wants to repeal Obamacare's individual mandate in tax reform. The health care provision was not included in the House bill, but President Trump may try to push for its inclusion in the Senate version. Now, Senate Finance Committee Chairman Orrin Hatch has not ruled out that possibility. That said, Chairman Hatch has said on previous occasions that he prefers to keep health care measures separate from tax reform. Now, I've uploaded a blog post that details the main provisions of the tax bill. It's on my notes from the Democratic blog, as well as the blog post mentioned earlier about the effect of the changes on affordable production from the repeal of private activity bonds and the lower corporate tax rate. That's at www.novaco.com slash blog. I also want to remind you, as I noted earlier, that we did launch a new tax reform resource center. We have plenty of tax credit news, legislation, advocacy, research, and other reports. Simply go to www.taxreformresourcecenter.com. And if you're interested in learning the latest tax reform news and potential developments, I'd also encourage you to join a Novogratic Working Group. It's also a way to participate more in these efforts. Novogratz leads several stakeholder industry groups that focus on areas that include the local housing tax credit, new markets tax credit, and renewable energy tax credits. Being a member of a Novogratz working group is a great way to stay in the loop about tax reform news and about the tax credit industry in general. If you're interested in learning more, contact my partner, Brad Elphick, in our Metro Atlanta office. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I do hope to see many of you in Washington tomorrow at the Novogratic 2017 Financing Renewable Energy Tax Credits Fall Conference. I'll talk more about tax reform and what to expect as lawmakers race to contend with a short and crowded legislative calendar. I'll be joined during the Washington Report and Industry Update by Keith Martin of Norton Rose Fulbright and Andrew Shaw of Denton's. If you haven't registered already, you can still do so. Go to www.novaco.com slash events. The conference is tomorrow and Thursday, November 8th and 9th. I do hope to see you there. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.